0: Welcome to My IELTS Classroom, the podcast where two English experts talk all things IELTS. I'm Shelley Cornick. And I'm Nick Long. And today we're going to be discussing a huge announcement by IELTS, plus we will be revisiting an old friend that we haven't seen for a long time. Good, very late in the evening, Nick. Good, How very late in the evening. I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm good. You look a little bit hot there, Nick. Oh, mate, it's,
1: it's like unbelievably hot here. Like when I had decided to move to, Af- uh, <laughs> I'm already getting ahead of myself. When I decided to move to Latvia, I didn't expect African weather, but that's what we've got here at the minute. It's
0: How hot is it? It's
1: 32 degrees.
0: Okay, that's pretty, pretty hot.
1: Yeah, and it's very humid as well, which is also pretty unpleasant.
0: And I guess you've got no air conditioning. No, of course not. (laughs) That's the killer, I think. That's the problem. I spoke to her. I've got a great new student or sort of an old student who's come back, Mm. who's Colombian. But she's living in Australia. Mm. And of course, it's winter in Australia. And when I spoke to her, she was in a huge, thick jumper. And I said (laughs) to her, Arena, are you cold? She was like, it's freezing. It's 14 degrees. (laughs) But the problem is in Australia, all of the houses are built for summer. They are. So, when it gets to winter, 14 degrees feels freezing. You're experiencing the opposite. I am. Yeah, it's
1: very, very hot here. Nobody can see this, but I have a very red face at the moment, don't I?
0: You, to be <laughs> fair, Nick, you do. Although, that said, anybody who was in one of my live lessons last week knows that I also had a very red face because I went to the beach on Wednesday. Mm. It was 24 degrees, Nick. 24. I went to Skagnes. Oh, memories. Which has recently been voted the worst seaside resort in the UK. It's not one of the best. And I can understand why. (laughs) Went to the beach lots of people on the beach, no one in the water. I w- mm-hmm. swam in the sea. I think it's the first time I've swum in the North Sea. I had on Factor 50. Mm. It was 21 degrees. Not very hot. I was literally burnt to a crisp. It looked really? like somebody had put an iron straight <laughs> onto my face. How
1: long were you um, exposed to the sun for?
0: I reckon a good, well, it took me two hours to get there by bus. Oh dear. Really glamorous day. Yeah. Um, and I was there from two o'clock Until, no, from one o'clock until five o'clock. So a good solid four hours in the wind. Mm. And yeah. You see, that's the thing. In
1: the wind, you don't feel it. Because when I was in uh, Azerbaijan. Yeah. And it was, I think the the temperature was only 22, but it was very windy. So it felt like quite cool. And I was sat in the sun for nine hours a day. Because I went to see the Formula One there. And when I came home, my skin was literally peeling off because it was so burnt (laughs) so i can understand you it doesn't feel hot but afterwards when you get back home yeah you notice how much of a mistake you've made
0: I think that was the problem. I definitely did not feel it, although my students appreciated it. It was a good Mm. laugh the next morning uh, when I saw them. So anyway, if you're just tuning in, this is not a weather podcast. It's not even a sunburn podcast. It's an IELTS podcast. And today, Nick and I are going to discuss some big news from IELTS. Now, Nick, you and I both know that, you know, half of our job as ielts experts mm. is fighting the tsunami of misinformation <laughs> yes. about the arts exam so last week uh i think I, know, I think it might have been even the day that i went to the beach right mm. i started mm. to notice on facebook that i was getting tagged a lot in certain groups and okay. basically what was happening was in the groups there was this rumor running around that ielts was about to change the order mm-hmm. Of the parts of the test for the paper-based test only. So not the computer-based test. Not the computer-based test. So word on the street Mm. was that, you know, at the moment, well, Nick, you tell them, what's the order that students sit the exam usually?
1: So the the correct order, as we know it, is first it's listening.
0: Yeah. Then you have reading. Yes. And then writing comes right at the end. It is. So it's always been historically for the last, well, as far as I've known, the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. listening, reading, writing.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Word on the street, though, from the end of last week, coming from India, Mm -hmm. was that just for the paper-based test only, they were going to switch the order. So they were going to move the writing from the end of the test Mm -hmm. to the beginning of the test. So it will be what you start with. Now, obviously, I treated this with a healthy amount of skepticism. Good. Um but once it got into there's one Facebook group that I do trust and probably a lot of our listeners know that group, it's IELTS Tips and Tricks. It's run by a really great guy, Raphael, who's still got very close connections to the British Council. So mm-hmm. he tagged me and said, I think this might be true. So once I thought Raphael thought it might be true, I mm-hmm. did think, okay, there may be some credence to this rumour. Um he was asking me what I know. Unfortunately, I've got ties to IDP, but I couldn't find anything out. So I still wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. However, the next day, it was confirmed. It is now on the official IDP website. Wow. That I think it's from, maybe even it started last weekend. So if somebody sat the test last weekend, the the paper-based test, Mm -hmm. and that was the case, I'd just be interested to know exactly when it was introduced. But the big news is from now on, if you are still sitting the paper-based test, you will now start the exam, you know, with the writing paper, then the listening, then the reading. Mm. So I guess what I thought we could do to start with Nick today is just have a little chat about what ramifications that may have Mm -hmm. for students sitting the paper-based test. I mean, what's your first thoughts? Well, I guess
1: probably the first reaction would be that it's quite positive, actually. It's quite a positive thing. Because, you know... The listening test, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, Mm. it's very difficult to concentrate towards the end of it Mm, in part four. Because, you know, you've already had part one, part two, part three, and then part four is longer. It's hard to concentrate. Um, And then you've got reading as well, which is quite, again, one hour, quite difficult towards the end. And then you've got probably the most difficult part of the whole test, which is the writing. Yeah. So actually starting with the writing you know, the students are going to be as fresh as possible. They're going to be ready and they're hopefully going to be able to give it their all. And then the sort of, um, the less demanding, let's say skills like listening and reading will come after that where you maybe don't need to pay so much attention and, and work so hard for the full hour to, to do those two parts of the test.
0: I think that's, I mean, I think that's, pretty much matches exactly what I feel. I mean, I do think, you know, we were discussing recently, I think, Mm -hmm. I can't remember, what was the episode where we were talking about losing your confidence Mm -hmm. after taking the exam? And one of the things you should do if you don't get the scores that you're hoping for is, you know, try and analyse what happened. Yeah, And I think one thing that students forget is just the exhaustion <laughs> of sitting a three-hour... Yeah, it's not easy, is it? ...full-focused test. Right, mm-hmm. so, you know, yes, you may be able to write a perfect essay, you know, in the morning, mm-hmm. after a cup of tea, but could you do that
1: Yeah, having
0: just completed, as you said, a difficult listening exam, particularly if you're doing the academic test, a mm-hmm. long one-hour reading session, mm-hmm. to then go back-to-back back with two pieces of writing in 60 minutes? is pretty steep. It's tough. It is tough, Yeah. yeah. Um, The other thing I think is, is that just mentally, because it does tend to be writing, which is often the most difficult part of the test. Mm -hmm. I think there's a kind of mental stress of not knowing what is going to be in your writing test. Mm. Like listening and reading are fairly predictable. I know, you know, if you're a general training student, you may, you know, be hoping that you don't have... A headings in part three, and you have multiple choice, <laughs> yeah, or you know for listening, will I have a map, won't there be a map? Yeah, but you do tend to get more or less the same experience each time, mm-hmm. but I do think writing is a bit more potluck, isn't it?
1: It is because you could just you could just have a horrible topic, and that's the thing as well if your if your target score is an eight or something like that, yeah, you should be fairly good at reading and listening. Yes, And you can sail through it and then you get the writing task and you're just like, oh God, (laughs) this is it, that's the end.
0: Yeah, forget it. Well, the other thing I was thinking of, I mean, I'm not sure how many people do this, but I have been at the test centre before where Mm -hmm. people have just left the writing exam. Wow. After 10 minutes, because they just went, yeah, it was a map, I didn't prepare for maps, so... Forget it. So, you know, so for some students, it could save them a bit of time in the morning because <laughs> they could start the exam at nine and by 10 past nine, they could be back in Starbucks drinking a cup of coffee. Not for me, this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, i I'm thinking about it now. The only negative this may have is if you are a student who struggles with writing and reading, I think you may have to now think that this could have a sort of negative knock-on for the reading because that's now the that's final test. That's now the test. final one, yeah. Um, particularly if, as, again, if you're an academic student where the test, you know, if you're a good general training student, you're probably going to be finishing in about 45, 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. But most academic students do tend to need the, the whole hour, hour. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, there may be a payoff for reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great news. I, yeah, it's
1: positive. It's definitely something positive. I think it... Because we we, we do think that passive skills in general Mm -hmm. are something that can be prepared for much easier than Mm -hmm. the writing skills. You know, when you've got all these different types of questions, Mm -hmm. when it it really is kind of a mystery what type of writing question you're going to get. Task one and task two. Yeah. I think, yeah. And,
0: And you could, you know the last thing I would now recommend students do before they go into the test now is have, you know, those clear thoughts that you've got for Mm -hmm. the writing test. Like, you know, it might be simple things like, you know, read the question carefully, make sure you address all parts. Mm -hmm. If you've got a particular grammar problem, like subject verb agreement, you know, you can have those at the forefront of your mind. Exactly. You can write them on the paper. You know, as soon as you get the paper, you might want to write something like SV to remind you to check subject verb
2: Mm -hmm. and it's
0: not going to get forgotten because I do think sometimes what happens is by the end of the test when students are tired Mm -hmm. they forget basic principles
1: yeah
0: I've had you know one of our great students this week said oh Shelly I left I left the exam room and I realized I'd forgotten to write a closer for my letter (laughs) we've done hundreds of letters she just she just forgot right yeah I think that's less likely to happen if you've got writing near the beginning.
1: That's true. I mean, when you're two and a half hours into a test, especially, you know, when you've got a 20 minute writing section before even bigger essay, Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to be thinking about every single aspect that you need to focus on. And I think that's really good advice. You come to the exam and you have all that stuff you need to remember already in your mind. And mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, just write it down on the paper. They're not going to yeah. get it. They're not going to see it. It's just for you, basically, isn't it? Exactly.
0: I mean, if you are the paper-based test, just write all over that, all over the paper that's got the questions on it. I just wish I knew. The one thing I can't work out is... Why have they made this decision? (laughs)
1: It's IELTS. There's never any reasons or logic. (laughs) It's just we felt like doing this today. (laughs) Yeah. Because
0: people have been asking for this for a long time. Oh really? Yeah. I mean it's it's been around for ages. You know, people have often said, I don't understand why writings at the end Mm is the most taxing of the Mm -hmm. three tests. Mm -hmm. And also, why have they not changed the computer based test? (sighs) It's a mystery. My guess for that is that they would need to pay somebody to change the programming. Possibly,
1: actually. Yeah, you're right. Whereas with the writing, they can just do it themselves, can't they? And
0: basically? also, yeah. Also, maybe, I'm not actually 100%. No, you have to sit and wait for the whole time anyway, don't you? So mm-hmm. even even on, on the computer, if you finish reading early, mm-hmm. I don't think you can skip ahead. Nope. You still have to, you have to wait. Yeah, wait. So I wondered if it was a timing issue. As you said, Nick, the truth is, <laughs> who knows? It's a mystery, yeah. It's IELTS; they can do what they want.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but if you are still a student taking the paper-based test, this is good news. Mm. However, I would still strongly, very strongly recommend that if you're only sitting the paper-based test because you just don't know about the computer-based test, you've never tried it, mm. or if you're sort of just afraid that it might of a controlling the computer. I would strongly recommend that you have a go. There is a full exam that you can do. It's completely free of charge. I personally, I mean, we've got a whole episode about this, but I do think the test is easier on the computer than the paper-based test, particularly Particularly for the writing. Yeah, 100%. No, I
1: think overall it's easier, but I think my personal view is if someone really struggles with reading, The written Mm -hmm. tests, the the paper-based test is probably the best choice.
0: Yeah. And even as well for listening, you know, when they spell things, are you able to find the letters quickly? Yes. That said, you could still write them down and type them in later. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised, you know, we've got the new, I'm still waiting for more information. Do you remember the big announcement last year? New IELTS online test coming 2022? Yep. We're now halfway into the year. There's been no more information about oh, really? that. Really? I
1: thought that had already sort of slowly started in some areas, maybe.
0: I know that some speaking tests have started to be done
1: mm-hmm.
0: on, like, even though it's been a normal computer based test, they've mm-hmm. started to be done on a computer wow. rather than face to face. But the actual IELTS online full version, where people are able to take it from the comfort of their own home. Mm-hmm. That's still. I have problem. had
1: a couple of students in one of my preparation groups ask me about that. Really? Um, so I'm guessing it's probably already started. They well, they asked me why wouldn't someone just take the like the the sort of the test online test.
0: The online test, so mm-hmm. not the indicator, the full not online The full
1: online test. Yeah.
0: Okay, I might have a look at that this week then to see where they are because I did think it was a bit strange they'd gone so quiet. Mm. Um, so that is our big news. Now, what I thought we would do, Nick, is because I sort of thought the news is too big just to be at the very start of an episode, Mm -hmm. but not big enough
2: (laughs) to (laughs) To fill a full
0: episode. Mm -hmm. What I thought we could do is, um, is some of our long-term listeners will remember last year we had to remove some episodes, from our uh, back catalogue, and we place them into a Patreon. So they're still available, but if you want to download them, you actually have to just give us some, any sort of donation, like $3, Mm -hmm. and then you can download them. We did that for, what could we say, Nick? What would be a polite way of saying what happened? (laughs) Legal reasons? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Defensive reasons? But I do think what we could do today, as it will be, as we could say, hidden inside this episode we could now as a one-off one-time special for people still listening play the episode where you and I discuss Mm -hmm. the reasons why people are stuck at a 6.5 for writing because essentially that's the people who are going to benefit most from the news that came out today yes so do you think we should do that let's do that that's a good idea okay so I mean this episode has not been played I mean how long has the podcast been running now?
1: Two uh, years? over two, two years, years? i have been doing it over two years yeah
0: over two years this was our fifth episode so you know wow, unless you've been ago, yeah. with us since 2020 or something mm-hmm. you have probably not heard this episode um so just take this as you know iOx has given us a gift we are now giving you a second gift <laughs> um so have a listen it's a fantastic one it's a shame that it's now behind the paywall um And we will be back next week for a completely brand new episode where, Nick, you and I are going to be uh, talking about general General training reading. Yes, in particular, section two. If you're an academic student, come back anyway. You'll know you'll enjoy it. Nick and I will be having some fun. You can practice a bit of reading and you might still learn some new vocabulary. But until then, have a lovely week. Nick, I hope you can stay cool.
3: (laughs) So do I. (laughs) Bye.
0: My I we finished our last episode, mm. right, by talking about this question, this idea of this myth. Why do so many students get a 6.5 mm-hmm. for writing? Is it a conspiracy? Are the British Council working against us mm. to do this? So it's a bit like Graham Hancock, right? He's got this theory... Yeah. And we can't just say his theory is not true. We have to look at his theory and we have to make some decisions. Like we have to decide, could it be that there is this real conspiracy? Mm-hmm. Or are there other more scientific, realistic reasons for why students get a 6.5? Does that make sense? That's,
1: no, it's a very good analogy, actually. Because as soon as you said that, I was I was really keen and interested <laughs> to to go on YouTube after we've done this and go and have a look for Graham Hancock and discover what this... Theories about, but I guess you should. You've no, led- no, no,
0: you, you really should. Even because yeah. who knows? Like they keep discovering more and more things that make him look like it, mm. it might be real. Okay, but
1: so you haven't led me down the garden path, then? No,
0: no, 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 no. no. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely interesting. Anyway, so what I thought we could do today then is let's imagine that I know that a lot of students get 6.5 for writing and get a seven or higher for the other parts of Mm -hmm. the test. And for many students, that 6.5 is stopping them. It's stopping them migrating to another country or becoming a doctor or just being able to relax at home at the weekend rather than practicing IELTS, right? So I thought we'd look at, let's imagine we are policemen, investigators, (laughs) and we are going to, like, have a look at what is happening and to decide once and for all, is there something strange happening with this writing score? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be a policeman with me? (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Okay, good, right. So I think then, (laughs) if we're policemen, you're DCI loan, I'm Sergeant Cornick. Mm -hmm. If we're policemen, we would probably go straight to the top, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the first place we would go, we'd arrive at Cambridge, who write the test, and we would think, is Cambridge doing something that is stopping people getting a high score for writing? Mm-hmm. So if we arrived at Cambridge, what do you think we would find, Nick?
1: I think they would uh, we would go in and we'd say, Hello, Gavna.
0: Hello. Uh,
1: let's have a look at your uh files and all this stuff. Yeah. And we'd investigate and we would figure out that all that Cambridge really do is just write the tests. They have nothing to do with the scoring. And they have nothing to do with the assessment. They simply write the test.
0: I, exactly. I think all we would find would be a lot of tired test writers mm-hmm. who are writing all these tests all the time. Yep. And, you know, just a file full of hundreds of essay questions.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So I think, I think 100%, if there was some conspiracy, it's definitely not Cambridge. Yeah. Right. So then I think we'd have to go and we'd have to go and find the headquarters of The British Council and IDP. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't know who those people are, go back to our first episode where we explain. Could the British Council or IDP be doing anything which is making students get these lower scores for writing? I personally can't see how they are doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. why not
0: well, well so to, to begin with these are huge organizations like the British Council is like a well-established organization for mm-hmm. I think decades right mm-hmm. so I okay so why would they do that they would do that I guess because students need to take the test again and then they can get more money yeah but there are other tests that students can take now mm-hmm. that are accepted by governments and academic institutes mm-hmm. so the only thing IELTS has got is its reputation. Mm. So if it was doing that, I just don't understand why they would do it. As a business model, you may make more money now, but you're going to be closed yeah. really quickly.
1: And the thing is, if this was happening, it would have to be a huge conspiracy. And so many people would have to be quiet about it because right. the, the organizations are so massive. You yeah. Know,
0: It would be, exactly, there'd be like thousands of people who knew that this was happening. Mm -hmm. And also, we would be, Nick, one of those people because we were trained as examiners. We were. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing in my writing training that said, "Shelly, come here, come here, give them a 6.5. Like, (laughs) nobody said that. In fact, the interesting thing in training is that they have to train you to be able to um, accurately score any paper, right? Yeah. So we spent loads of times like, is this a 4 or a 3.5, mm-hmm. you know, or is this an 8 or an 8.5? That 6.57 was not a massive focus yeah. in our training. And nobody ever said to us, hey, earn some extra cash, <laughs> fail the students. Like, no. So, look, I just personally don't think if there was something strange happening, it cannot be at that high level of IDP in British Council. mm mm-hmm right so then we'd have to think okay who's next on the chain Hmm. maybe maybe the biggest suspects could be the examiners because they are the people who give the scores. so what do you think about that theory that it's the examiners who are on purpose giving 6.5
1: well i think it would be very difficult first of all why is that because the writing task is marked by two different people in completely different places often Exactly. So I don't know how they would conspire to give a student a 6.5.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is my argument, exactly that, Nick, Mm -hmm. is that if it was one examiner, you could say, well, that person could Mm. be doing it. But if it was the examiner, it would be more logical that it would be the speaking that would be the problem.
1: Because that's one examiner.
0: Because that's one examiner. So one examiner could make that decision.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like one bad apple. Mm. But But for the writing, there are two examiners. And if one of them is a very different score, so if you had one bad examiner, like we said in the last episode, Mm -hmm. those scores get checked again by a third examiner. So Mm
2: -hmm.
0: for me, I mean, and also, I just feel really sorry for the current examiners and for myself, because everyone thinks that we're bad people. (laughs) And actually, I used to spend hours trying to make sure that I gave the right, the fair score, Mm -hmm. you know, so... So right. So if it's not the examiners, that means the only other people that are left are the people who work at the test centre. So that would be like the administration staff who take the examiners' scores and then they put them into the computer. Mm. What do you think about those people, mate?
1: I think it's very, very unlikely to be honest. So do I. Because again, like you said before, they are a business. Mm -hmm. And if their reputation gets damaged or Mm -hmm. their reputation gets ruined, then they don't get any more clients.
0: Right, exactly. And also, if the administration was changing the scores, let's just imagine if they were changing the scores, Mm -hmm. at some point, students are going to start asking for an evaluation of their results. Yep. And then your paper gets sent to a senior examiner Mm -hmm. back in Australia or back in London. And it's going to be clear, wait a minute. Mm. this was a 7.5, why was this entered as a 6.5? Yeah. You know, and I think if that happened once or twice, maybe my theory about the test centers is that this is the only possible place where it could happen.
1: Mm.
0: But Mm. just because something is possible doesn't mean that it's likely. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in the same way that, you know, I don't know, like a policeman could come to your apartment and put some stolen goods in there and say, (laughs) hey, you took it. That is possible.
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) extremely unlikely.
0: It's extremely unlikely, right? So I would say that, you know, it could be possible. And if you think that is happening at Mm. your local test centre, if you think your test centre is changing the results, then I guess the only thing you can do is complain to the British Council or complain to IDP. Mm -hmm. And they would take that very, very, very seriously.
1: They would investigate completely. They would definitely
0: investigate. I know they would because i um. I know a couple of people who pass on information to the investigators and then get information back. Mm -hmm. So for me, that could be the only place where it's possible. Mm -hmm. But I still don't think it is very likely. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And also now with this, because of the computer test, most in the past, like 10 years ago, every centre, if you went and took the test in Paris somebody in the Paris Centre would mark your writing. Mm -hmm. It was all local marking. But since they introduced the computer test, they now have these big marking hubs in Australia and some in China and in Canada, where it's just all of the papers get sent to those marking hubs. So it's the same examiners for every centre in the world. Mm
3: -hmm. So
0: that should mean then that these test centres, if there was anything, that would be now impossible because they're not even marking... The writing anymore yeah and even if you take the paper even if you take um the paper-based test like our my center they scan that and send it to these hubs so it's not just the computer test it's the paper-based test so i would say if we were policemen we would have looked at everyone and we would probably say actually possibly something could happen at the test centres but it is much more more likely much 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 more likely that the student really just is a 6.5 for writing Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. so let's just think about that for a second before we start talking about band descriptors and why people get a 6.5 let's just think about writing compared to like listening speaking and reading Mm -hmm. Nick you and I We teach, we've taught in the past and still sometimes teach a lot of general English classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're classes that use often the Oxford books, um, English file or a Cambridge book or a Pearson book. So classic English textbooks, six month courses. Mm -hmm. We focus on lexis and grammar. Mm -hmm. In In those classes, how much time do you spend on writing?
1: Well, taking English file as an example. Yeah. I would say there's about six or seven writing lessons. Yeah. In the whole in a, book in a six month course.
0: Yeah, exactly. In a book with probably I can't work out how many lessons, but probably what, forty?
1: Yeah, probably about forty lessons, yeah.
0: The bigger question is, honestly, did you used to teach them?
1: Actually I did. I liked the writing did lessons you? a lot, yeah.
0: Because I never did (laughs) All the students, you would say, and today we're going to do writing. And Mm. they go, Uh
1: (laughs) No, I love love teaching writing. I enjoyed it.
0: Mm. That's cool. So I would say you are the exception, right? So you were teaching maybe (laughs) six lessons in six months. Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: also love teaching writing to academic students or students who are taking something like IELTS. But to a general course, that was always their homework read Mm -hmm. the page about the writing, do the writing. Mm -hmm. It will take me two minutes to mark and it's finished. So I just think that of all the skills, if we compare it to like all of the other things we do in class, Mm. writing is a tiny percentage. It is, that's
1: true. Yeah. Yeah. I think another reason why um, writing skills are not as well developed as other skills is there's not that much chance these days to actually practice writing skills. Like any, any conversation that that people do have written conversation is usually on social media, so you know you' yeah. it's just like informal conversation it's it's not an essay um you know writing emails it's not really the same as writing an essay, even now though people, some of the language can be transferable
0: maybe for the general training students it's similar to the letter, but you're right I mean even when we write an email these days mm. it's it's a lot of it is just short like we don't even start the formal Dear Sir Mazum. It's just, hey, Mm -hmm. here's the essay. Thanks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really short. And I also think like there are loads of, you know, if we think about listening, right, there are all these free podcasts. Mm. There's Netflix. There's loads of ways students can watch movies, listen to English.
1: Yeah. So they can really practice that skill.
0: Yeah. Same for reading. Mm -hmm. Speaking's a bit more difficult, but Mm. people can still practice speaking. I think are more likely Mm. to practice speaking to chat to somebody than they are to sit down and write them a letter. Yeah. And I also think exactly what you said is the type of writing that we test in in the exam. Mm. So of those six lessons in our general book, I bet one of them was like, write a postcard or you know it, it's not about writing an academic essay is it
1: it's true but it does depend on the level because in the higher levels like upper intermediate and advanced there are more sort of academic style essays where you have to give an opinion or compare and contrast or something like that but That's still very very little material
0: yeah and probably not quite enough depth to get a really mm. high score like a good introduction mm-hmm. for like a 6 or a 6.5 but maybe not really mm. the highest level um I would say, though, for me,
3: mm-hmm.
0: maybe the best evidence that it is not a conspiracy and it is the students mm-hmm. who are really a six point five is that is what we see every day running our our school. So, like, basically, you know, in my arts classroom, you can come, you can just take video courses. That's fantastic because that teaches you everything you need. But we also offer a package where you take you go through the video course, and at the same time, you're sending me an essay to mark. And so you might watch three or four videos on one type of essay, and then write that, then another three or four videos, maybe some grammar videos. And by the end, you should have covered every type of essay, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: every type of letter and report. But before we start that, I always want to know at the beginning.
1: What's your level?
0: Yeah, what's your level? Who is this person that I'm helping? Mm-hmm. So I ask the students to write me a first assessment essay. And I will go through that and I will give some short feedback, not as detailed as the marking, but I will just say, okay, what is their current score at the moment?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Almost never is a student a seven in that first assessment. In fact, I think I can count on one hand Mm. the number of times that first assessment has been a seven.
1: Yeah. I very, very, very rarely come into contact with a first assessment. That's a seven.
0: And if it is, it's usually a student who's working with me because they need a Mm -hmm. (laughs) 7.5, you know? So, so when people email me or that, that, you know, Oh, Shelly, I don't understand it. I've tried everything. I've watched loads of videos on YouTube. Um, I've, done this i've done that but i'm still a 6.5 they think it's a mystery like it it feels like a mystery and i understand that because it is maybe quite difficult to understand sometimes but when you or i look at those essays it is always very very clear very clear yeah why are students not getting Mm -hmm. a seven so i think for me that is the reason why i Truly, genuinely, honestly believe that IELTS is giving fair scores for marking. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's not easy for students. I know it's not nice. But I think if you can accept that, if you can accept, actually, the problem here is just that my writing's not quite good enough at the minute, Mm -hmm. that's a good place to start. Because from there, you can learn, you can improve, and then you will be a seven, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than just taking the test again and again and hoping.
1: But we talked about it last time, didn't we, that not that many countries really get involved in sort of academic essay writing so it's no surprise that the skills that you really need to get a high score some students just don't have
0: yeah exactly and i also think the problem is that good students think that these skills can be learned quite quickly so they just try and like we said in the previous episode try and Mm. get these hacks or these tips and tricks and actually Mm -hmm. that doesn't work
1: it can actually make it worse in some instances can't it (laughs) I
0: I think that is exactly right it really really can so I think what we're going to do today then. so look I hope you now that you maybe can see that there probably isn't a conspiracy about a writing Mm
2: 6.5
0: that is just more likely that students are not quite good enough to get a 7 yeah so I think what we can do then is to really help people is you know Nick and I mark dozens of essays each week Mm -hmm. And we see the same kind of issues appearing again and again and again. Now, I have a really great ebook which you can download, which contains the five most common errors that I see for each of the band descriptors. So for task response, coherence and cohesion, uh, lexical resource, and grammatical range and accuracy. I think today, though, we don't have time to look at five (laughs) for each one. Mm. But I think what we could do is, why don't we go through are like the the problem that we see most Mm -hmm. in each area. Okay, so the first area we're going to look at is task response. And Mm -hmm. that is the first area because that's probably the the score that the examiner will give you first when they're marking your Mm -hmm. essay. Mm -hmm. And we're only looking at essays today, not part one. Um, So what is task response? Well, task response is just very basically how well you answer the task that you were given. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the band descriptors, and remember, this is all public information. There is nothing hidden. If you look at what a good student does for task response is that they address all parts of the task. They have a clear position or an opinion if they are asked one throughout their response. So not just in the conclusion, but throughout and they present and extend and support their ideas. So that's really what I'm looking for when I'm giving a score for task response. Have they answered the question? If, if, do they have a clear opinion? And are all of the ideas extended and supported and justified?
3: Okay.
0: So I'm going to start, right? I, for me, the biggest problem that I see here is just when students do not address the task. So what does that mean? Well, I think there are two ways you could go off topic with the task, right? So the first one is just you don't actually do what the question asks. Mm -hmm. So we spoke about, you know, there are different types of IELTS questions. So let's imagine a question asks you to discuss both sides and give your own opinion. Mm -hmm. If you don't discuss both sides, you have not addressed the task, mm-hmm. right? And that sounds really simple, but students, for this type of question, students make mistakes here, don't they?
1: They really do sometimes, yeah. Um,
0: so if you had a question that said, some people think Nick is the best arts teacher, some people think Shelley is the best arts teacher. Mm-hmm. They're both correct. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you would, um, for that essay, mm-hmm. you would need some arguments for mm-hmm. why Nick is the best yeah. and some arguments for why Shelley is the best. Mm-hmm. And also in those paragraphs, you should make your own opinion clear as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The mistake that I see is that some people think, okay, I need to discuss Nick and Shelley. So if a student had one paragraph that said Nick is the best, Mm-hmm. And one paragraph that said Shelly is the worst.
1: Or, or simply Shelly is not the best. Because is not the best.
0: Yeah, <laughs> not necessarily. Yeah, so Shelly is good, but not the best. Has that student addressed the task?
1: No, because they haven't uh, talked about why you are the best, which is what the question was. Some people think Shelley is the best.
0: Exactly. So the yeah. question isn't discuss both of the topics. The question doesn't say discuss Shelly and Nick. The question says discuss both topics views
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and one view is that Shelley is the best and one view is that nick is the best and you must give reasons why these people have this opinion
1: mm-hmm.
0: i see very often in fact you marked something like this today i think today
1: like, i marked something like this today exactly yeah. yeah
0: where the student had discussed the topics but they'd given negatives instead of positives to one of the sides right? for one
1: of the sides so basically he was only arguing for one side
0: Yeah, and you cannot do that in a discuss Mm -hmm. both sides essay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a similar thing, problem-solution essays, we often call them problem-solution essays, but actually those questions usually contain two questions. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And there are three choices for those questions. Some questions ask you, what caused this problem? Mm -hmm. Some questions ask you, what are the problems? Mm -hmm. And some questions ask you, What are the solutions? Mm -hmm. And you could be asked any mix of those three. So one question might ask you, what are the causes of this problem and how can we solve them?
1: Mm -hmm. It's the most common type, I think, that, isn't it?
0: It is usually the most common type. Cause cause and solution. But this is where students go wrong because they Mm -hmm. see, oh, oh, it's a problem solution. So they automatically give the solution. But sometimes Mm -hmm. it asks you, what is the reason for this and what problems? And it doesn't ask for the solution. Yeah. So if you give me the solutions, you're completely off topic.
1: And as well, another another common error in that type of essay is, for example, what are the causes and what will the problems in the future be? And the yes. student will speak about the problems now. That's not what you are being asked. The problems are what will the problems be?
0: That is a fantastic point. Yes, yeah? some of them ask you to predict the potential problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, in the same way with advantages and disadvantages question, mm-hmm. if you're a general training student, you might just be asked the simple question, what are the advantages and the disadvantages. So for that type of question, they're just describing, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're also sometimes a general student or an academic student, they may ask you, you know, do the advantages outweigh the disadvantages? That's asking for your opinion. Yeah. That's it's asking compared, basically Yeah, it's asking you, are the advantages more important than the disadvantages? So if if you just describe the advantages and the disadvantages, but you don't give your opinion, you're going to get a five for task response. So, so many students seem to get really confused about these tasks. And I just sometimes think, if you're confused, just read what the question is asking you to do Mm -hmm. and do it. You know, it says discuss both views and give your opinion. What should you do? Discuss both views and give your own opinion. It's not so complicated. I think, I think a lot of information online has made it more complicated than it should be. So definitely number one, make sure you read what you've been asked to do and you do it properly.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So if you prepare, you should never make that type of error really, because you should know how to address all of the different types of questions. So usually when people complete my course, they don't make that error because I've taught them what to do for each of the types of essays. The problem I see more often is when students just don't address the topic that was asked in, in the question. And this can happen for a couple of reasons. So I think the first reason is sometimes people just misunderstand the question. So for me, the most famous or the classic IELTS question for this was the question that said, some people believe that nowadays we have too many choices. To what extent do you agree or disagree? And what happens is most students go, choices. Yeah, there are loads of choices. I agree. And then they just write me an essay that describes all of the different choices that we have in the world today, right? Choices with technology, choices with education, choices, choices, choices. Nick, is that addressing the question?
1: No, not at all. Not even close.
0: Right. So why is it? What does it mean? It doesn't say we have a lot of choices. It says we have too many choices. Mm -hmm. So what does too many choices mean?
1: It means that um, it's not a good thing to have so much choice.
0: Right. Basically. Yeah. So this essay is not asking you to just describe all of the different choices we have. It's asking you to evaluate Mm -hmm. The effect of these choices. Are these choices good or are these choices having a bad effect? I think they're having a bad effect because I find it impossible to make a decision. (laughs) (laughs) I am constantly confused by choice. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really, really, really important that you take the time to really understand the question. I have a really nice blog post with the top three misunderstood questions in the Cambridge book. If you go to the blog, blog blog.myieltsclassroom.com, Go to the writing section. You'll see it. It's the fourth or fifth lesson. That will help you understand, you know, other questions which are misunderstood. The other thing is students understand the task, but they sometimes don't address all the parts of a task. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a really great student who, you know, finally she got a 7.5 for writing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she had to sit the test twice. Because her exam question asked, I think it was like individuals and private companies should pay to clear up the pollution, not the government. Mm -hmm. To what extent do you agree or disagree? So she wrote a great essay about why private companies should pay and not the government. So what was the problem?
1: She probably didn't mention individuals at all.
0: She just completely focused on private companies and the government and did not mention individuals anywhere. And because of that, she would have got a five for task response maximum. Yeah. So you really have to make sure you include all of the information that you're asked for. The other one that's common, is there's a question, living in a country where you have to speak a foreign language can cause serious social problems as well as practical problems. mm this one is often a mix of misunderstanding and missing information because most people who read that living in a country where you speak a foreign language can cause problems. Yes, they always talk about work. Mm. It's difficult to get a job. Is work a social problem? Not really. Not really. Is it a practical problem?
1: Mm, also, not really.
0: Not really most people didn't understand what practical problems means practical problems are like think of writing uh sorry think of listening part one all of the things you do in listening part one joining a gym opening a bank account finding your way on a bus they are practical problems true so for me the most important thing is read the question carefully and make sure you are really answering the question you have been given. Because if you don't, even if your essay is fantastic, you are going to get a six point five, maybe even a six if you are completely off topic. Yeah. All right. So that was my first one for task response. That's my most common one. What would be your one, Nick?
1: So for me, it's this point that you mentioned before: presents, extends, and supports main ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having a good coherent argument in an essay can sometimes be quite difficult forming uh to actually form the argument so what you talk about on the course what i think is an excellent method is to introduce support and extend Mm -hmm. an argument yeah Mm
3: -hmm.
1: not just introduce which is sometimes what some lower level students do or some people who really struggle do so for example um Cats are better than dogs. To what extent do you agree or disagree? I agree. Cats are better because they are cuter.
0: Yeah. End
1: end of argument. Well, no, you need to explain how Mm -hmm. and why you think cats are cuter. Yeah. That was a bit of a silly example, but, you know. I think
0: it's a good clear (laughs) example though. Yeah. Because I think that is where a lot of students end. And particularly if they're asked like advantages or disadvantages. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. You often end
0: up with a list, don't you?
1: It's what, yeah. For the first advantage is that it's cheap. The second advantage is that it's, you know, works very well. The third advantage is that it, and it just goes on and on and on. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's cheap. That's an advantage. Excellent. You found an advantage. Uh Now you need to explain why for people, that's an advantage. Why is this product being cheap? an advantage Yeah, yeah. I always tell my students to ask themselves two questions when they're writing an argument for an essay after every sentence to just ask themselves either how or either why Mm -hmm. and that would naturally allow them to write the next sentence
0: I think that sounds supremely simple but actually that is often all you need to do yeah yeah I think the thing is that students do a good job of finding the ideas and then they just don't go that next step
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, the idea is the difficult thing. Yeah. So, if you've got the idea, you've you're already like eighty percent of the way there. It's just mm. then explaining it and expanding that idea.
1: And the idea needs to be relevant as well. It's that very is important.
0: True. Yeah, it See, should a be lot- a
1: relevant idea.
0: Well, because this is the thing. A lot of people say, "Oh, it doesn't matter what your ideas are." Is that mm. true?
1: No, it really, it really, really matters what your ideas are.
0: Yeah. I think I think as we said before, your opinion doesn't matter if you agree or if you disagree. Yeah. But yeah. but you have to have a logical reason for your opinion. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Nick, a question that a lot of people sometimes ask is: Do you need an example for every idea? So, in advantages disadvantages, if you had two advantages, do you need an example for both?
1: Well, let's imagine that you had an example for both the advantages and the disadvantages. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you have four examples altogether. What do you think will happen to your word count?
0: Uh, it'd be, what, 500? Yeah. <laughs> it would be really <laughs> high.
1: Exactly. So, yes, we do. We we need an example in an essay. Yeah. But one is usually enough f- to back up one of your arguments. So if we have four arguments altogether, yeah. then one example per essay is is generally enough, I think.
0: I totally agree. And I think we're going to do a whole episode on examples, what makes a good example, because I think that is a place where people struggle. It's mm-hmm. too much for today. But I mm-hmm. would say a lot of the time extending an answer is exactly, it's saying why or how.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It is not just giving a simple example. Examples are actually not great ways of extending and supporting. They should come after the support if you're going to have them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think students rely too much, weaker students rely too much on examples because they've been told they must have an example for each idea, but that is not a good way to do things.
1: Not a good way to argue.
0: Yeah, okay, fantastic. All right, so let's go on into coherence and cohesion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For me, this is kind of like the the hidden danger mm. for some students. I think students focus a lot on grammar and lexis and the task response, but they kind of just maybe ignore coherence and cohesion a little bit. And Mm -hmm. this can be the one which comes up and really gets you Mm. and brings you down to that 6.5.
1: It really can, yeah.
0: Yeah. So so as we said previously, coherence is like how easily your essay can be understood. Mm -hmm. And cohesion is how well your ideas are joined. Mm
1: -hmm. Another really important academic skill.
0: Superly important and not one that people... Really understand very well, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to get a seven here, your, org- so your, the information in your essay needs to be organized. So, you need paragraphs which are logically organized. Mm-hmm. This is what people really focus on, but that is something you can learn in honestly five minutes. Yep. It is the easiest part of the, of the cohesion
2: and the, really. Mm-hmm.
0: Then, you're going to have to logically organize the information inside your paragraph so mm-hmm. that the idea and the progresses. You're going to have to use words or phrases that join your ideas together. Mm-hmm. We call these cohesive devices.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're going to have to have like a clear topic inside each paragraph. So they're kind of like the main things we need to do for coherence and cohesion. Mm-hmm. I could talk about this for hours, right? Yeah, me too, to be honest. (laughs) So, so Nick, I'm going to give you first opportunity this time, right? What is the one thing you see, the one mistake that is stopping students getting a seven?
1: I think one of the biggest mistakes is having a clear, is not having a clear topic sentence.
0: Cool. So, yeah, okay. Why is that important?
1: Because this is, I think, one of the most important cohesive devices that we were talking about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: which signals to the reader what the paragraph is going to be about.
0: Right, exactly. So like mm-hmm. we said, each you have to have a clear central topic
1: mm-hmm. in each
0: or each idea in each paragraph. Mm-hmm. And it's the topic sentence that tells the examiner what that topic is, right? Mm-hmm. So what mistakes then is it that you usually see with the topic sentences?
1: Well, one the, I think the biggest example, the biggest classic example is for discuss both sides essays. Mm-hmm. Where we've got a nice introduction, okay, we're Mm going to, maybe they've done the introduction well, they've got a clear opinion, and -hmm. they've introduced both sides, and then they move on to the arguments, and they just hit you with the first argument.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Instead of introducing the side again, and letting the reader know that in this paragraph, we're going to discuss the side I disagree with.
0: Uh Uh-huh, cool. Yeah, so what is the main problem of just of just starting that paragraph with an argument? Why is that not really a good idea?
1: Well, this is... I would say this is because we have... Usually we would have two or more arguments in the paragraph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need an introductory sort of sentence just to kind of suggest that in this paragraph there will be the ideas or the arguments, plural, yes. for this side of yeah. the argument. So... The, the paragraph is not about one argument. It's about more than one argument about yeah. this topic, which is why we need the topic sentence.
0: Exactly. Because so that is the problem. If you say in the topic sentence, you know, um, Nick is the best teacher because he is funny, mm-hmm. if we go back, mm-hmm. that means if that's your topic sentence, that means that the whole paragraph should be about Nick being funny. Yep, yeah. Because that's your topic sentence. So if then in the middle you say Nick is also a really great grammar teacher... Now I'm surprised, what is the main idea of this paragraph? Because you've told me in the topic sentence it was Nick being funny, but mm-hmm. now you've introduced a new idea.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't do that.
0: No. So I think in any, I'd say like in any essay where you've got more than one idea in a paragraph, mm-hmm. so discuss both sides, maybe problem solutions, mm-hmm. two causes, two mm-hmm. solutions, advantages, disadvantages, your topic sentence should be a bit like an umbrella. Mm-hmm. It should cover the whole paragraph, yeah. so, not just the first idea. But then again,
1: when you're writing an essay, like to what extent, where you ha- where you do have one idea per essay, yes. then we need a clear topic sentence which says, in reference to the question, for example, um, the first reason why university education should be free is, and then you give your reason, and then and, you move on to discuss your arguments why you think so. Is
0: it- Mm. Exactly, because in that type of essay, you only discuss one idea in each paragraph.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but in in say so in half the essays, it's okay to tell you what the topic is in the topic sentence. But in the other half, when you're going to mm-hmm. have two things in one paragraph, you need that general topic sentence, don't you?
1: General topic yeah, sentence. That's a yeah.
0: really good one. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. I don't know what to choose for this. I want Ugh. to talk about progression mm-hmm. because that's something that is a problem for students. I mm-hmm. also want to talk about referencing. But if we really think about, if if, if, if this episode is about what's stopping people getting a seven, mm-hmm. then I think we have to say mechanical use of transition signals. Mm-hmm. Or cohesive devices. Mm-hmm. So that just simply means, you know, the words that we use to, to show the relationship between sentences. So words like in addition, moreover, firstly, therefore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That for many students is the only thing you have to do to get a high score in coherence and cohesion is just add those words between each sentence.
1: That's what they think, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's what they think, and unfortunately, that's not true. And so, the biggest the biggest error that I see is often overuse mm-hmm. of these transition signals. So you've got students who just automatically use them at the beginning of every sentence, and if you do that, it was going to be extremely difficult for you to get higher than a six. <laughs> um, so you know, I've written a little example here. So if I'm going to read this paragraph, right, it's got. Four transition signals. So every sentence starts with a transition signal. I want you just to listen. What are the transition signals and which ones could we remove? All right. So I'll try and read this in my nicest voice. (laughs) Uh, This is about living in another country, the social problems. Mm. The question we discussed a minute ago. So firstly, there are a number of social problems for those who live in a country with a different mother tongue. To elaborate, it is hard to make friends when you are not able to communicate fluently. Moreover, this is because people generally like to spend time with those they can share their thoughts with or who they can turn to for advice or who simply make them laugh. However, this is hard to do when your language skills are weak. Mm-hmm. So there we had four transition signals. We had firstly,
3: mm-hmm.
0: to elaborate. Ugh. <laughs> moreover <laughs> and however mm. of those four nick how many could we remove from that paragraph
1: personally i would remove two
0: okay i okay cool which ones would you remove
1: to elaborate absolutely 100 yeah. percent, get rid of it yeah <laughs> and probably moreover okay. as well
0: okay i agree with you right so first of all I had a student recently, and it made me really sad. She sent me an essay, mm-hmm. and after the topic sentence, which you've just described,
3: mm-hmm.
0: she added to elaborate, and there was another one, to elucidate, one in the first paragraph and one in the second paragraph. <laughs> and I said to her, you don't need to tell me after the topic sentence that you were going to elaborate. That is your job <laughs> as an essay writer. And she was really upset. She said, I paid a lot of money to learn those words. <laughs> And that made me really sad because I was like, those words are stopping you getting a seven. Mm -hmm. So you don't need anything after the topic sentence that says more over or to elaborate. Just start your argument.
1: Do you know what I had actually saying that after the topic sentence? It was the same. It was like, firstly, blah, 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 Uh blah. What is more? I was like, whoa, stop. You don't want to discuss more now. You, You need to make your argument first before you've given me another one
0: if you, if you say what is more after the topic sentence you need to add a second topic sentence <laughs> it's just yeah it's really bad also that moreover i agree you don't need that no. it is hard to make friends when you are not uh, when you are not able to communicate fluently this is because it's great starting sentences with this is a great way mm-hmm. of joining ideas together without using
1: Without using transitional signals.
0: Mm-hmm. A transition signal. The only one I think we need is the however at the end.
1: Yeah, because it's... Because mm-hmm.
0: it's showing the contrast. It is, yeah? Yeah. However, this is hard to do when your language skills are weak. We need to show there is contrast mm-hmm. here. Now, Nick, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm really, really happy that you think it's okay to keep firstly. hmm Yeah. So I've read on lots of forums never use firstly examiners will give you a 6 if you use firstly it's mechanical it's obvious is that true
1: not really if you've got two arguments why would you not use firstly and secondly exactly it's it logic makes to-
0: it's logic <laughs> if if you only used firstly and secondly that's mm. probably on its own like not enough to get you a 7. There are other things you need to do, right? Use referencing, Mm -hmm. use other cohesive devices. Mm -hmm. But using firstly is never going to stop you getting a (laughs) 7. And it makes me angry when people say that because it's a complete misunderstanding Mm -hmm. of what coherence and cohesion is. So I'll put this paragraph on our website page, podcast.myoutsclassroom.com. so you can just have a look. But in general, have a look at your paragraphs if you are starting every single sentence with a transition signal it's too stop. much
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's too much try and find other ways a bit like you said you know like when you said one of the problems is that people don't extend
3: mm-hmm.
0: it could be that you're only you've only got one sentence for each idea which is why you're always saying in addition moreover, because you're introducing new ideas all yeah, the time yeah. so it could be like two problems you've got there but if you're If you've got two or three sentences for one idea, you should not need a transition signal at the beginning of each one. Hey, I'm Raman from India, and this is my IELTS classroom.
2: Hello, my name is Michael. This is my IELTS
1: classroom. Hey, this is Khadija, and this is my IELTS classroom. 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 classroom.
0: Alright, Nick, so now we're gonna go on to lexical resource. I know I, I know this is your <laughs> that you're looking forward to talking about this. <laughs> so very quickly, lexical resource is the IELTS way of saying vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna get a seven for vocabulary, you have to use a sufficient range of vocabulary to allow some flexibility and precision. So that just means that you have got some topic-specific vocabulary. So you you have got the lexis you need to discuss this topic Mm -hmm. at a sophisticated level. Yep. Better than I could in Russian or Spanish or the other (laughs) languages that I speak. You're also going to need some less common lexical items. Mm -hmm. Just some, right? So we don't need lots and lots of high-level words. Just some... (laughs) And you're only going to have occasional errors in word choice, spelling, and word formation. So you can make some errors to get a 7. Yeah, and
1: still get a Mm 7. And
0: still get a 7. That is fine, but it just needs to be occasional. So... That's a difficult term to define, I would say.
1: <laughs> I think you have to put it into context with the rest of the essay now, probably.
0: Yeah, you have to look at what words are they spelling wrong, right? Are they really high-level words or are they really simple words? Mm-hmm. Do the spelling mistakes stop me understanding the word or mm. is it, you know, like, can I still read it but there's a one S instead of two S's or mm-hmm. something? I think two or three errors. You can still get seven with two or three errors. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure, for sure.
0: Um, All right, so... Nick, I'm going to give you first choice at this one again. What do you think? What is the most... I know what you're going to say, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you. What is the most common problem that we see? What is stopping people getting a seven?
1: Bad paraphrasing. Yeah. And inappropriate word choice.
0: Say so, Yeah. I mean, in, in the IELTS language, is inappropriate word choice, but mm-hmm. we would just say
1: bad, bad,
0: par- pa- bad paraphrasing.
1: Sometimes really, really, really bad paraphrasing.
0: All right, so I think this is so important that I really want to be clear. Like, what do we mean by bad paraphrasing? So, like, Nick, if you've got, I think you've got a few nice examples, and these are taken from like
2: from
3: real our essays, student,
0: <laughs> from real essays.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, so why don't you give us a few examples of of this bad paraphrasing?
1: Well, firstly, I want to say just overall in general, mm-hmm. when you've got a question in IELTS, if you paraphrase every single word in the question then you will be completely off topic. I guarantee you will be off topic if you paraphrase every single word in the question. So don't that do is, that. That is golden <laughs> advice. Yeah. Listen
0: to Nick on that. That's really true. Yeah.
1: So one of the like most popular questions that we mark, that we have is, some people believe that all children should learn a foreign language from the time they start school, while others believe it is better to wait until a child is at secondary school. Mm-hmm. discuss both sides and give your opinion primary school and secondary school do not need any kind of synonym yeah, yeah. there's no such thing as the secondary phase there's no such thing as the foundation years mm-hmm. yeah we, we we can't change primary school and secondary school to something else otherwise we will lose the meaning these are fixed terms you know yeah and,
0: and se- i think and it's is- it's, it's really it sorry i was gonna say it's really interesting when students do try to do that mm-hmm. because they are fixed terms
3: mm-hmm.
0: they they just they have to come up with something quite crazy mm-hmm. like what you just said there like at the secondary phrase or in the foundation years if i said that to a native speaker they would never understand that we were saying primary school and secondary or school, secondary yeah. school with those words mm-hmm. would I, they ever they,
1: uh, i just yeah instead of and children as well now a good synonym for children is pupils because you know pupils are people who study in school children who study mm-hmm. in school pupils excellent synonym
3: mm-hmm.
1: that doesn't mean that primary school children are young ones and secondary school children are grown-ups that yeah <laughs> but both of them completely wrong synonyms that that is that's not what we want yeah so mm-hmm. you need to be very careful with the length with the Vocabulary that you choose to change. Foreign language has a good synonym, which is second language. Yeah, right. we don't really want yeah. to change language to tongue. That's a bit inappropriate. Yeah, mother tongue maybe is is okay. Is a good is a good.
0: Yeah, mother tongue's okay, but we don't usually say second, second tongue. tongue. Yeah, that's that's strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that question's difficult because you've got like primary and secondary, mm-hmm. and then you've got which students try to change i mean the only one could do you think you could change them to the americans like elementary and high school
1: i don't i don't see the reason why you would need to because yeah i mean you could but why
0: but you wouldn't get any extra points for that i mean i just do you know what i just
1: i think here it's it's i think maybe the verbs are actually better to change here because you've got start school start school yeah begin begin because instead yeah. of start school as at the time they start school that's an, a verb we could say from the beginning of school which is beginning as a noun so yeah. that's that's a much better change than elementary school and primary school you exactly. know when, when yeah. you're when you're paraphrasing when you're reforming the question changing nouns and verbs like verbs to nouns nouns to verbs is actually a really good way of doing it without changing any of the actual sort of adjectives and lexis in the in the text so start and beginning are perfect ones that you could use
0: yeah and like learn right
1: yeah learn. so like you said
0: like instead of learn it's like include in the curriculum yeah. or have classes in yeah those are the parts of this question that you should mm-hmm. try to paraphrase but but this is a disaster for most students because you've got primary and secondary school which don't really have a synonym you've got children and then the students just go, like you said, like young ones, grown ups. I mean, grown ups are adults; they're not secondary school students.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you've got second language mm-hmm. or foreign language. You've got three things which are difficult yeah. to get synonyms for. Mm-hmm. So, what should the students do then? So, if these we don't need these synonyms, what would you recommend they do?
1: I think it's just, I think it's just a good idea to be careful and t- to really think about it, like. Think about what what kind of words you use every day, and okay, primary school, secondary school, is there really a synonym for this? Not really. Start, is there a synonym for this? Well, yes, actually, there's begin.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, to think about these words where there are simple,
0: yeah, words. I mean, synonyms. I think a good a good thing would be imagine that you're talking to someone mm-hmm. and you use your expression in place. Yeah. You know? So if you said to your friend is your child starting the foundation year soon? Mm-hmm. Would they really understand that you were asking about primary school? Exactly. No. So then it's wouldn't. a crazy, crazy synonym. Yeah. But if
1: you said, is your child about to begin second uh, primary school? Perfect. Exactly the same meaning. Yeah. And we've got yeah. about to begin. A lovely little
0: yeah.
1: paraphrase of Collocation. start.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I think exactly. And also I think the, I think you, I really love what you said at the beginning. I think, Students focus very much on like sort of translating or each word right? mm-hmm. or like paraphrasing each word individually without thinking about the overall meaning yeah. of what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. If you think about the meaning, that will help.
1: The meaning must be the same. Must yeah. be the same.
0: Yeah, because if you change the meaning, then you're it's going to happen. You're off topic mm-hmm. and you're back to my problem with not addressing the task. Mm-hmm. The other thing I hear all the time is that, and I think one of the re- okay, I'm going to be honest. If you're doing this, don't feel bad. You're doing this because somebody told you you have to do this. Yeah. This is one of the biggest myths and lies about IELTS that I've seen and probably the most damaging
2: mm-hmm.
0: because a lot of the time what we read is just what I would say gobbledygook. That <laughs> just means without meaning, right? So I think the myth is that you cannot repeat words from the task. Is that true? Absolutely not. Of course, it's not. It's absolutely fine if you're asked about primary school, you can use the word primary school in your answer. It's strange if you don't use that. Word. <laughs>
1: the The thing that you shouldn't do is copy the question verbatim, word for word, word. for word. Yeah, yeah. You cannot yeah. do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you can use particular words from the questions which don't have you know like mm-hmm. words like tourism. You can just you just use those words. That yeah. is fine. And you know, in my course. I, what I always teach is, to be honest, if you can just find one good synonym for each, for like the important terms, mm-hmm. that's all you really need. Because you can just use the one synonym and then you can use referencing. So you can say like they or it to refer back mm-hmm. to these words, which will improve your score for coherence and cohesion. So do I would say, you know, use the word from the task and one synonym and alternate them with some referencing. That would be perfect. And if there is no synonym, do not feel bad about using the word.
1: Mm-hmm. Just use the word. <laughs> Just use
0: the because word. Because it would
1: be much better than using an incorrect synonym. Much better.
0: I totally agree. And also, like English people, if you ask, like I said, if you're asked a question about primary and secondary school, <laughs> I expect, I expect to read those words. Yep. Yeah. Usually students get into trouble, like, the, the, the further through the essay, because they've got one good synonym, and then they think, oh, but I can't use that one again. And mm. that's where these crazy creations start. <laughs>
1: true. Um, it's true.
0: Yeah. All right, Nick, well done. I think definitely for lexical resource, that is the by far the biggest problem that we see.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and it's sad, because most of the time, the students who are doing that could easily get a 7 Mm-hmm. For Lexis, even an eight sometimes, but those crazy paraphrases and synonyms are, ho- are really holding their score down. Yeah, um, my choice for this is when students worry that their Lexis isn't good enough, and so they think, okay. I don't necessarily want to spend time learning lots of topic-specific vocabulary. So I don't want to spend time learning words to discuss the topics of education or technology or government spending. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to learn a few connecting words. So like these transition signals we were just talking about,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to learn some really fancy words that will impress the examiner and then they will think my lexis is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, which is just it just doesn't work, right? So I'm talking about students who start paragraphs by saying, to embark with, right? So they put that expression before their topic sentence, yeah? To embark with, Nick is the best teacher. Well, to embark with has literally no meaning in English. Mm-hmm. I mean, you embark on a journey. You don't embark on an essay, right? <laughs> or they say, instead of saying on the one hand... They say, no, that's too obvious. I will say, on the one side, or my favourite, on the flip side. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> see you on the
0: flip side. <laughs> see you on the flip side. That is not an academic expression. That does not impress the examiner. That mm-hmm. is terrible for your coherence and cohesion and your lexical resource, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we often see them in the conclusion. To recapitulate, I don't, I don't even know what that word means, right? Or no my favourite one, by way of a conclusion. <laughs> that means it's not a conclusion, but it's like a fake... It, Conclusion. Anyway, my point is that, sadly, you can't really fake Lexis, can you? No, not really. You know, you've either got the vocabulary to discuss a topic or you you don't don't have the Mm -hmm. topic. And adding these words is just making you look weaker maybe than you are
1: I would say so and it doesn't impress me when I encounter these phrases it just annoys me to be honest
0: (laughs) well this is I mean in my ebook I say every time a student says to recapitulate an examiner dies Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's just it's nonsense like please stop (laughs) yeah all right so that's lexical resource and for many of you that's probably the best advice that we can give you today Mm -hmm. I think because there are a lot of students who are losing points there where they shouldn't be yeah because of what Nick said, because of the, the bad paraphrases.
1: Hi, my name is Essen. I am from Pakistan. I studied with My IELTS Classroom because it is one of the most comprehensive course which you would not find anywhere else. Another thing which I liked about this course is that Ma'am Shelley teaches every IELTS concept in a simple and humorous manner, which keeps you engaged in the course throughout your IELTS journey.
3: All
0: right, so then let's look finally at the grammatical range and accuracy. So for this, mm. to get a seven, it's all about two things. It's about using complex structures. Mm-hmm. So are you able to use language which is complex? So mm-hmm. we would consider like B2, C1.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And are you able to produce error-free sentences Mm -hmm. so really you know the range is the type of sentences you're using and the accuracy is that you are not making mistakes you also need to have good punctuation Mm -hmm. Um, but usually punctuation is never a reason to stop somebody getting a seven that is not often the main problem
1: unless it's really 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 bad I would say.
0: Unless, I would say the biggest problem is, is students who just put commas everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) So if you don't know how to use commas, I promise you, don't use any is better than using using 20 unnecessary ones, yeah. All right, so I'm going to go first this time. So Mm -hmm. for me, I think for me, the biggest obstacle to a seven Mm -hmm. is students not having quite a wide enough range of sentence structures. Mm -hmm. And sometimes... That's not because the student doesn't have the language to create the sentences. It's just that they're not showing me enough in their essay. Mm -hmm. Um, And a good example I can give of this is sometimes students don't realise that they're using the same type of sentence again and again and again. So some students love conditional sentences, right? Mm -hmm. They use if all the time. Some students love relative clauses like which Particularly result ones, mm-hmm. yeah, which means that blah, blah, blah. They are all fantastic, but if I can only pay you, like give you points for each structure kind of like once, mm-hmm. really. So if you're using not only three times
1: in an essay. <laughs> I marked one like that recently. Yeah, Every single like, sentence was not only does it. And it's just like, Ugh. yeah.
0: It's like not only is <laughs> fantastic, but only if you use it once because it sounds unnatural and, and you're not showing me the other things that you can do. Mm hmm. Um, So I would say a really good thing to do is have a look at one of your recent essays and have a look at the different types of complex sentences Mm. that you're using. If Mm -hmm. you don't know what a complex sentence is, go to my website, watch my first lesson in, it's a free lesson in the grammar course, Introduction to Complex Sentences. Um, That's at www.myelksclassroom.com. Just see what you're doing. Are you really showing a good enough Mix.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, all I will add to this is I often see people say to get a seven for grammar, you must use a conditional sentence, a passive. Um, I don't know what else, like since. That is not true. There is no Checklist for examiners when they are marking your writing. <laughs> Does he right? have Isn't this
1: one? Does he have this one? Does yeah, he have this one.
0: <laughs> it's not bingo. No. Um, so, <laughs> although although like a, a, a well used conditional sentence is good,
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's actually a first or second conditional is only around a six to be yeah. So that's not really a seven anyway. Um, in my ebook, I've got a nice little grid that shows you different sentence structures for mm-hmm. different um, levels, but. I always want you to think, yes, we want to show a range, but you also really want to use grammar to make your arguments. Don't do it the opposite way. Don't try to include, oh, I must include a conditional, I must include this, because then you end up with some strange sentences and essays that don't read very well. If you focus on your argument first, Mm -hmm. your grammar should follow your arguments, right? So you're... um, but you do, you do, although we don't want to have a, a list, a checklist, you do also at the same time want to make sure you're not repeating the same structures again and again.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And the last thing I will say about complexity is that we talk a lot as teachers about complex sentences. However, there are lots of other ways you can show complexity in your language. So if you're a student who's looking for a really high score, like an eight, the, the complex sentences are great, but also... Using modal verbs, right? Like we discuss hedging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like using modal verbs, um, adding adjectives and adverbs to your sentences, which is what students forget quite often. Mm. Um, having noun phrases, uh, making comparisons. There are other ways that you can show complexity. Yeah. Yeah. So really think about that. But I would say, number one, have a look at what you're writing now. Are you using all of the same types of sentences or are you showing a nice mix? We really need a mix for us to be able to give you a seven
1: mm-hmm.
0: or higher. Okay, mate, what is yours? What's your biggest obstacle to a seven for grammar?
1: For me, it's, the, it's a basic error, actually. Fairly basic error, mm-hmm. which is subject-verb agreement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or as yeah. I like to call it, the bane of my life. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Is, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No,
0: but it is, it, is, it is surprising how many of our students make errors with subject-verb agreement, yeah. actually.
1: And if you make subject-verb agreement errors, then you're going to be a long way from a seven, I'm afraid. If yeah. you consistently make them at least. Like, one is okay, I suppose, but...
0: Mm-hmm. So what would be an example of a subject verb agreement error like a common one that we often uh, see? A in common in the one
1: would be the children thinks that blah blah right. blah. Right. So we
0: got the children plural and then
1: but thinks, thinks which is, the is, is a, a singular.
0: Yeah, singular verb. Yeah.
1: Or the opposite one a child think that he is. You know.
0: Yeah. I'm always surprised when people say it like it bring mm. rather than it brings. So I think it should. You should never make a mistake with it. But lots of people write it and then a plural verb.
1: Mm-hmm. It bring. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is strange. We've got a nice. I've got a nice lesson on subject verb agreement on the blog. Mm-hmm. So go to the blog um, and then under the grammar one there. There's a list of rules. But that is definitely the one I didn't include that in my original grammar course.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I regret that. Now. <laughs> and I'm gonna. And I'm about to start making a new YouTube video, and that's the first one I'm going to make because Mm. that is definitely a major problem. What are are the other sort of like common grammar errors that we see? So I think subject-verb agreement is one.
1: Mm. Um, Articles, but I I mean, I completely understand articles because it's not a feature of many languages. And I think if you're learning um, English and your language doesn't have articles, then it can be really, really tough.
0: Do you think article errors would stop somebody getting a seven?
1: Not a seven, no, I don't think so. I don't think Unless so, really. it was like really, really severe. Like if it really hampered the meaning, which it often doesn't.
0: It then, often doesn't, yeah. yeah. I think that would be the systematic error that could stop you getting an eight, but maybe not quite a seven. Mm-hmm. The one I'm thinking of is the contrast, problems with contrast clauses. That is what mm. kills me. so like our students often start a sentence with while or although (laughs) and then what and then what do they do they put a but in the
1: middle or a but or a full stop Uh, or
0: yeah they say while i am while some people think this is bad stop and then that is a fragment that's half a sentence that's not a
1: full sentence yeah
0: no or they put a comma after although or while
1: although comma yeah
0: (laughs) yeah although comma but stop
1: I had I had one today that was that was I had not seen for a long time and it was uh, if followed by a full stop.
0: Wow. Mm. A full stop.
1: So it was like um it was a conditional sentence.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But after the first clause, yeah, full stop.
0: Uh, so it was just the first half of the sentence. Mm-hmm. If, if you cat, give them- if cats
1: like chocolate, full stop. Well what? Finish. What if they like chocolate you haven't explained to me?
0: Bye. I finished my <laughs> sentence. No Um yeah, I've got. If if you have problems with those, although contrast sentences, mm. the second video. In fact, everything we said. The second video in my grammar course
1: will be about it's that. It's free. <laughs>
0: is about contrast clauses, and the third one is about articles. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so they're all there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think accuracy. I mean, at the end of the day, the grammar score is quite clear. Think,
3: yeah, right. Like it really there's is, it's
0: yeah. black and white. Really, mm-hmm. you you can either make these sentences. Accurately, oh, or you, you can't. can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a strange way, if if you're unsure why you're getting a 7, a, a 6.5, grammar, you know, even if you put your essay into a Word document and switch on the grammar Checker. error check, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got loads of red lines underneath, well, probably it's your grammar. Mm. Okay. We didn't mention this at the beginning but just to be clear if you're going to get a 7 you're going to need a 7 in each of these areas. Yes. So if you've only if you've only got a problem with one that is enough to keep you at a
1: 6.5. I've got a little question for you actually. Oh yeah. There what there if you go. get what if you get 8776?
0: then that's a seven.
1: It's a seven, yeah? Yeah. But it's, the so average you, must be over uh, seven or over, yeah?
0: Exactly. The average must be over seven, yeah. So let's so, be Yeah, so it's not you don't need a minimum of seven. It's mm-hmm. just that the average must be seven. So
1: if you get seven, 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 six, then that's a 6.5.
0: That's a 6.5. And one
1: area is letting you down and holding you back.
0: And sometimes that's all it is, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it could be the coherence and cohesion. So students mm-hmm. come and they're like, oh, I wrote this, I did this. And then you read it, it's like, but you haven't used referencing or you've got too many transition signals. Mm -hmm. Plus, we're just talking about
3: essays.
0: (laughs) Don't forget about task one. Yeah, It could be that it is your task one, which is really weak and is letting you down. It really could be. Yeah. So, all right. So that was really our 15th truth or myth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do so many people get a 6.5? If you have a question... Or a topic that you would like us, or you know, if you've got a question, you know, you want to know if it's truth or if it's myth or if there's something you would like us to discuss, please, please, please email us at hello at my dot com mm-hmm. and we will try to include your question or your idea in a future episode.
1: Do you think we're gonna do future listener episodes?
0: I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. So send in your I'd questions,
1: like to. you know. Yeah. We'll answer them.
0: My IELTS Classroom Podcast is a production of My IELTS Classroom Limited. Nick and I do not represent IELTS and everything you heard in this episode is our own personal opinion. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on our blog. That's blog.myieltsclassroom.com. And if you're looking for our video courses, speaking lessons and marking service, you can find that at www.myieltsclassroom.com. If you have a question or query or just want to chat, you can email Nick and I at hello at Our theme music is by Heartbeat and our artwork is produced by David Brown. Have a great week, study hard and remember... This
1: is my IELTS classroom.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.